I'm saved as you're saved. Oh, wow. Thank you. Also, if something happens, I'm less likely Dear goddess, please bless this podcast. <laughs> Please let this uh, podcast be heal the world. Yeah, healing. Yeah, contribute to good. Help young women mm-hmm. speak out. Give us all better careers too, <laughs> <laughs> which will help. Yeah, women. Yeah. Hello, Here everybody. Here Hello. we go. Welcome to Take Down the Patriarchy. Hey, it's listeners. April 15th, tax day. This is your reminder to get in. It is 12. It's over by the time you listen to this. On the East Coast right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got my... Um, my refund and spent it nice months ago Fast. oh you did your taxes early i do you that's smart i just like i love i love to just um put things in the back of my head until i wake up it's like sweating in the middle of the i night just can't do that when anymore. it's like two weeks out i can't i'm i'm all about planning for the future good that's for what you happens and, when and you, get you made old. out okay this yeah, year. this was the one year I got money back. I got I got a lot of money back this year, which I needed because I wasn't working. But um, every year for like the past five years, I've owed quite a chunk really? of money. Yeah, it's been pretty terrible. Hellish. So, well, I just I'm... finished paying off my 2016. Oh my god, that's what happens when you work for yourself and yeah. you're 1090. Like you. Yeah, so I was 1099 a few uh, 1099 or Schedule C mm-hmm. on a few different gigs this year. Um, which ended up working out for me, but I don't know why. Oh, tax wise. Yeah. Well, that's good. Probably because you paid. Probably because you overpaid with your other paid jobs. The man. Yeah. Paid the, the goal is to man. break even. The goal is to just not give the government money and not like that they're keeping. That's yours and not to anyway. Who cares? <laughs> Taxes. Why are we talking about this? Because it's April I am 15th. not an expert. I'm like in my car. In the car, I was like, Solange, you should. There's two kinds of podcasts you want to listen to. One where people know what they're talking about, <laughs> and one where they're funny. Okay. And you don't know what we're talking about, so you we better be funny. Know what we're talking about, <laughs> and most of the time, pretty funny. I, I would say more on the funny side. Oh, there's a third one, which is inspirational. Ooh, okay, good. So, like, I hopefully I uh, hopefully I'm funny and inspirational, knowledgeable. I can't always vouch. I can't always. <laughs> uh, this could be an inspirational podcast for you, comedy fan and podcast listener. We're talking about The Twilight Zone. The new Twilight Which Zone. Which is very comedy-oriented because The New Twilight Zone is being produced or, or directed, created by... A comic. Yeah, and it, um, so I actually, so as you guys maybe know, I don't watch a ton of television because I work in television and it's torture. So I watch, <laughs> I watch what I'm supposed but to watch. But you did watch When Calls the Heart. Oh, hell yeah, I did. <laughs> it's literally the only show that I've ever, that I've enjoyed in the last, <laughs> I have terrible taste. Um, I watch, I basically watched the first episode or the first few episodes of every single show because I'm supposed to. Like, that's my job homework. So it just makes watching shows annoying in general. Um, but The Twilight Zone, besides When Calls the Heart, is one of my favorite shows on television. The original? The original. Like, right. And what I, was your favorite episode? I mean, um, it, this is kind of basic, and I actually forget the title, but the the book one, the nuclear uh, the nuclear war one, where um, he has all the time in the world to read all of the books. 
I'm going to Google book episode okay. Twilight Zone. It, I just realized just I don't know that's... anything about the Twilight Zone <laughs> as you're talking. Um, I always watch the Twilight Zone uh, on New Year's Day, which, it, oh, time enough at last. That's the name of the episode. Um, New Year's Day when sci-fi And you can watch it all on Netflix right now because the, the yes. original Twilight Zone's on it. Which, like, sometimes we like to do a fun Twilight Zone uh, night where we watch some Twilight Zone episodes. But I have a really, really low tolerance for freaky things. So people mm-hmm. are like, oh, you love the Twilight Zone. You must love Black Mirror. And that's like being like, oh, you like to eat a pixie stick. You should do cocaine. It's like not my level of... Twilight Zone, the original, had, like, uh, this layer of innocence kind of to it. Yeah, it did. I think because the world was more innocent. Right, it was. And it also, because of that, I think what I like about it is because of that, you had to be more economic and clever with your messaging if you didn't have to rely on, say, a Black Mirror episode where a political figure is having sex with a pig. That you know, like, okay, just, so I just will say that whenever I recommend Black Mirror to everybody, and I do, like, don't I watch say that do not whatever you do, do <laughs> not watch the first episode. I mean that oh, that's God, that's the first episode. Yeah, I forgot. And I tell everybody that that is the most one of the most traumatizing experiences of my life was watching that episode. Yeah, I can't do and it. And it was, and the rest of the Black Mirror is doesn't even get close to that, but. Yeah. But yeah, don't, I just say like, don't, I don't even want to explain it to you. Just, just don't watch it, it. Save yourself. You can't unsee you it. You can't unsee it. It's like, somebody, it's like watching, you it's like watching some it. crazy animal sex on, well, anyway, enough said. I already just gave <laughs> like it away. A, like a so, experience. so <laughs> anyway, let's move on. So, so Jordan Peele is, um, really riding this wave of, uh, of using horror. Oh, our ride is here. <laughs> <laughs> so Jordan Peele's he's he's doing a brilliant job of using horror the genre of yeah. horror to um to discuss um a lot of yeah. uh, racial issues in our society and so he's been uh, given uh, this great opportunity to reboot the Twilight Zone and the first episode is called the comedian. Hello. So he felt like we Did he do stand up? Uh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. You know, I actually don't know. I don't. I don't know, but maybe he did. But Camille Nanjiani. Yes. Did I say his name right? Camille he Nanjiani. stars, and he um, he is a stand up, and it is about stand up comedy. Which you know what, Jen and I we, also we do, do stand up. We do a little stand up comedy. <laughs> I feel like my mic has mysteriously stopped working. Can you hear me talking? You sound. sound you don't echo. sound mic'd. Hang on. Let's see. Okay. Let's we got. Uh, we'll edit this out. <laughs> Sorry to give you work. Here, you know what this happens? Okay, talk. Hello, hello. Talk. Hello, check, 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 check. Hello. Keep talking. Check, 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 check. I don't think you, it's not mic'd anymore. Yeah, what happened? I like barely met. Oh, oh now you are. I okay. think you turned it down. How did I do that? Oh my gosh. Know. Okay, hello. All right. Uh, okay. We are standing. Do you want to take that? <laughs> we are stand up comedians. So we felt like. We should probably watch this episode. Um, I I watched this episode uh, 
first of all, this is my favorite way to watch shows, which is that I had no idea that he was even called the comedian, and I had no idea what the first episode was about. And Jeremy put it on uh, one night before we went to bed, and he had come out to a show that I did that I just, like, I just didn't have it in me that night. <laughs> it was just, like, it was a... A bad it set. Was, it was mediocre at best. Yeah. And... I kind of love having bad sets, because it's sort of, like, there's nothing to reset you, like, just a terrible comedy right. experience. Yeah. Like, it just... Your whole paradigm goes, like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't do this my whole life. You know, I almost wish... It makes you question your whole life. Right, yeah. I almost... That would have actually even been more healthy for me than this set was because this set was just so lackluster. It was not bad. It was just really lackluster. No, what's bad is a mediocre set. Like, a bombing is great because bombing is like... It's okay. Like this morning, I was just I was thinking about anyway this some some stuff and having some negative thoughts, and I totally ate it. I was running, and this happens to me. I tripped, and I totally fell, skinned my knee, wearing shorts, which I never wear. I always wear yoga pants. Wearing shorts today, yeah. I have a skinned (laughs) knee, like a little kid. Yep. And it was like afterwards, I was walking home, and I was like, you know what? That was kind of fun. Yeah, it makes you, <laughs> it makes you kind of feel alive. Yeah, and does. that's what bombing feels yeah. like. It just feels like you just it's like you just embrace eating shit. Yeah. You just fall on your face and it's one time I fell on my face on stage and that was still like one of my favorite Literally, experiences oh, you told me ever. This story before. Yeah. I, don't I know loved if you told it. On the podcast I ran or not. no, I did I did okay. a long time ago. I ran onto the stage like a game show contestant yeah, that was and just like tripped and I just ate the carpet. Like I just went like head first and the audience was all freaked out. They were and it was crowded too. Yeah. And they were like, oh my God. And then I got up and I was like, I totally meant to do that. And it was just like I had like a really great set after that. Yeah, your adrenaline like, must have been like I was the so roof. free. It's yeah. like there's nothing more freeing. But like a mediocre set is like just there's nothing worse in life than just mediocrity. Yeah, you know? totally. I was like, well, what am I even living out? Why am I living in Los Angeles at all if I'm going to do mediocre? You know? Yeah. So, either eat shit or be successful. One hundred percent. And and even like Jeremy is net like he's um, when he's being honest. Um, it's like you re- like if he has any kind of like feedback because he's like madly in love with you, so everything you do it's, is great, which is awful sometimes because I'm <laughs> like he's not a reality check like, no. at all. He'll take pictures of me like on stage and send them to me, and I'm like, hey, these are great. Do you have any that aren't terrible? <laughs> and that's when I realized that um, somebody who's madly in love with you thinks that all of the pictures of you are beautiful. Doesn't Which really is work. So wonderful. <laughs> and yeah. But so even not Jeremy, reliable. Even Jeremy was at that show and he goes, Yeah, I feel like I could just tell you weren't really into it. <laughs> and I was like, that sums it up totally, right? Yeah. So but what was funny, and by the way, this episode will contain spoilers of the Twilight Zone first episode. Um, FYI. The comedian. The comedian. Um, so and and they start now. <laughs> he goes just like pure coincidence, I do this set. And he's like, yeah, I don't really feel like you are very into it. And then he also was like, oh, you know what? You didn't um, you didn't talk about me tonight, though. That's a first. And I just, like, didn't, I didn't happen to do my jokes about my fiancé. 
<laughs> which are, by the way, benign. They're like super nice about them. But, but, but it's also like a topic you're passionate about. So it, it, it's kind of grounding, something you care about. Yes. And like I just like didn't really, like I'm trying to work on this new joke about how I'm taking his name. And it's like um, people ask me if I'm taking his name. And I'm like, yeah, except it's going to be hard to remember to tell the barista to call me Jeremy. And I keep, like, trying to work on this idea that, like, I'm taking my fiancé's first name. <laughs> I'm And I'm not taking his name at all. Neither of his names. Okay, Jeremy. So <laughs> Jen, Jen. Take down the patriarchy with Solange and Jeremy. <laughs> um, but so he goes, oh, you didn't talk about me tonight. And I was like, yeah, I guess I just, I was, like, doing other stuff. And I just, like, I didn't, like, do that, those set of jokes in general. And so we get home and we watch this episode of The Twilight Zone, which is about a stand-up comedian who is performing lackluster, mediocre sets. And what's interesting is that he... I thought the really brilliant thing about the material that he was performing is that they weren't... Like, the idea is you kept... They kept repeating the jokes that were bombing, but what he kept repeating were sentiments that they wanted to repeat... So, like, they were jokes without punchlines. They weren't jokes. Right. They were really just messages that the creators well, had, of the show wanted to say over and over again. Like, um, the, Second Amendment the Second Amendment is about a re- well-regulated militia. They said that so many times throughout the episode. Well-regulated. Yeah, well-regulated. And then the joke bombs because he keeps trying to be like, well-regulated. It's right there. And it's so brilliant that they keep repeating that because that's the message that they want just to That's what I got out like of the whole thing. Take into your like, brain. Yeah. You know? But so, you know, this base, the idea of the episode is that this struggling comic... Um, basically makes a deal with the devil. And that devil Tracy, is Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Which I thought it was clever that they did... They made it a, a comedian who isn't specifically a stand-up comic. Is he? I mean, I don't think of him as a okay. stand-up, right? I honestly don't... I don't think of him as one either, yeah. but... It's, I don't know. It he's a comic. Kind of he's a comedian type yeah. guy. It seemed kind of intentional that they, I don't know, he was a good choice for it. And he obviously has, um, you know, a, a character name in this. So, um, so the, 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 the deal he makes is that whatever he talks about that kills, he loses in real life. Right. So, like, he talks about his dog and then he comes home and his girlfriend's like, we don't have a dog. <laughs> and then that just Which keeps- he doesn't know this is the deal that he made also. He has to put this together. And this, you know, is on the night that I don't talk about my fiancé on stage for the first time You're in like, months. like, yes, I did <laughs> I the right like, thing. I was like, you're lucky, Jeremy, or else. So I felt kind of... Like I, okay. The first of all, I what I want to address and talk about is like there's so much, and I I can't believe I'm going to use this word. Please forgive me, everybody. Um, quote unquote content <laughs> created about <laughs> comedy, about stand up in yeah. particular. There is a show, Crashing, which I've watched a little bit of. I haven't seen it. It's a, it's a little too real sometimes Anytime somebody for me. asks me if I've seen a show more than three times and I haven't, I just then decide I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's uh, this show and then there's, what was, there's another stand-up comedy show. Anyway, there's a lot. And, uh, Trust me, there's a lot. I can't I'm think of it. I'm dying up here. I'm dying up here. Yeah. Thank you. That's it. So... 
Um, Saw the first And there's like a lot of mystique around stand-up that I feel like is really unwarranted because I don't think it's that mysterious. And they kind of, none of them really address the like, and maybe this is why comedy is like so bad. Sorry, we had this conversation before the (laughs) podcast. But like they don't address the like work aspect of it that's not necessarily on stage, which is joke writing. And in that kind of laborious process of creating jokes, which is what, if you ask me, 80%, a lot of it is performance and there are brilliant performers, but they still need jokes. And I feel like there's this like, just this weird mis- like this like kind of glamour and that's sort of like, I don't know, that's just like, and I kind of felt like this, this episode, the comedian and I read, I read, okay, I cheated. I read a review that kind of said the same thing, but that he has this, this not non-joke he keeps telling mm-hmm. again about how like the second amendment talks about a well-regulated militia. And it's, it's not a joke. It's just, and the idea is he's trying to, to relay his, what he really wants to say. He wants, he, he has a message, right. which is kind of, it does, it can kill comedy to have a message. Um, Take it from me. Somebody with a message. But then what works is just him talking about something he cares about and then disappears and then people are laughing. Nowhere in the whole episode are there any jokes. Like, it's just the audience. Oh, the same thing with The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Although I assume she had had some jokes because I didn't watch the whole season. But it's like, it's just like when you're making a show about stand-up, and you don't have real stand-up comedy, you can just be like, okay, audience is where you laugh. <laughs> and then it's like, there's, it's Put not really happening. Track. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that, so I think, let me process this a little bit. Um, one, I feel like in general, I don't know why there's a mystique about stand-up comedy. This is also, so, and this is something I, w- I might have talked about before. I, like, have a lot of associated shame with it where, like, I haven't um, studied the greats, right? I didn't, like, grow up watching VHS tapes and, like, being obsessed with comics and, like, knowing their material. And, like, there's a... And this had come from oftentimes men who were like, well, you don't respect the art because you didn't study and do your work. And, and those are the same people who are always really, really attached to the um, mythology of standup and like the, the mystical idea about it, where it's this sort of like godlike, untouchable thing in the same way of like a, a rock star or a musician. That lore that c- c- is attached to a lot of um, uh, artists is always something that I push against because that is the lie in creativity to me that like, it's something that is just like this natural intrinsic thing with these people who have a gift quote unquote, who are talented. Steve Martin said, I'm not, he says, I'm not talented. It's just, he's like, what I've accomplished is a hundred percent work ethic. Yeah. And that's what I love about born standing up. And about him, I mean, he's brilliant. To me, he's like a gold standard comic, like stand-up and just comic actor and writer. But, um, and and I I believe that same thing, that it is, it's just a shit ton of work. Yeah, but also at the same time, and this is why when people are like, oh, you do stand-up, so you must love Mrs. Maisel. You do stand-up, so you must love I'm Dying Up Here. It's like, no, I do stand-up, so those things bother me because... 
people don't <laughs> ever want to watch what how you really do something. Yeah, Nobody like if you ever work as a nurse that. or a doctor, are you gonna love Grey's <laughs> Nobody, Anatomy? Like truthfully, like, <laughs> nobody wants to see the, how the sausage gets made. Really? Yeah. Like nobody does. Nobody actually wants to see that. And if they do, it's because they're comics themselves and they're a niche audience, and that show's gonna end up on Sundance. And it's and like watching it. them. <laughs> it's like watching the magician. You know, understanding how the magician does the yeah, trick. Yeah. A lot of people just frankly don't want to do it. So I get it but then i think that's my answer when people are like why aren't you watching this show about comedy no i'm like i can't like i can't even and so like the the good thing about crashing which i have been watching lately is because is that p holmes is genuinely a great stand-up like because he is a real stand-up and he's also a good actor too so when he does stand-up comedy i feel like oh i'm watching a real stand-up i'm not watching someone acting like a stand-up so, like, Kumail Nanjiani is a real stand-up, but he was playing a character. He wasn't doing right. his stand-up at all. And so there really wasn't any stand-up comedy in it. So I kind of feel like the whole episode could have been about anything. It could have been about, like, right, but he it, could have been a magician. Totally. He could have been a poet. But people love stand-up when it's hot. Right. So it does bring up this point, though, with this episode. And I, th- I like the idea of it. I like the appeal. I think it is, like, an entry point into an interesting conversation. But I really um, have come to hate... This, like, basically what is a false binary that as a comic, you're either up there standing for something and talking about something that you think is important or... Um, or you're making a joke. Or you're making... You're servicing the, comedy, the art form of comedy. Right. And in turn, also um, basically shitting on everything around you. Right. Like, um, and, and in turn also giving up everything. So for me, I think that that's, I think the false binary that a lot of people think is comedy or is being a creator of any kind, which is you either have to, and this is, I think the, the, this like dangerous message that I think we feed, uh, into way too much, which is that if you want to be successful, you have to want it enough to give up everything and everybody or you're nothing. And it's like, how about we just have well-adjusted lives? <laughs> I, I, I feel like I kind of have to disagree not because I don't think that would be a better world to live in, but it definitely feels like in show business, you have to want it so bad and you have to be, it has to be more important than anything else. And if that's the case, then you will not really have much of a life just because that's what I've witnessed works. And that's sort of the culture of it. It's like, but so, I I mean, and I agree with you, but it's also not just show business. It's business in general. Yeah. I was just going to say like, that's any tech entrepreneur. Yeah. That's any person who wants to, um, I I keep thinking about uh, creatives, but really any entrepreneur, right. Um, that like in order to be great, that's all you must pick. I feel like you kind of do for a period of time, maybe not your whole life, but I mean, if you look at like an Olympic athlete, you know what I mean? Like they spent whatever, 10, 15 years just doing that one thing and then they retire and you know, who knows, maybe they go on to live balanced lives. I kind of feel like, I don't know, but 
I, I, I'm not saying it would be better to be, to be well balanced, but I just have not seen that be the case. I agree. And then I, but then where I say is like, as a person who hopes to be, um, a decision maker and be doing this for a long time and have a career doing this, um, I don't necessarily have to keep that like I think it's one of those things where it's like I'm just like we're passing these like bricks to each other and I'm like okay this is how it works this is how it goes but like eventually I can just be like uh we actually don't have to build this if we don't want to like I think we can all agree that this doesn't work for enough people and we all have the power to change that yeah maybe things will change but um I don't know. I feel like creativity generating something that's like, I guess the way like generating something that to exist that has never existed before is a tremendous act. You know, it's a birthing process and it just like being pregnant, it just requires. Yeah. And I hate to use that metaphor because I don't want to put down because obviously pregnancy, motherhood way harder, (laughs) but like it is in like, I'm, you know, like you can take uh, 20 years or, you know what I mean? To do something, you can do it in two years and do nothing else. Like it just, no matter what, it's going to require this immense effort. That's, that's what I've, that's what I've learned in my journey of, of doing anything creative. Like I did stand up like so seriously for seven years and now I'm like, don't, I don't know if I have it in me to do it, but like, I'm glad I did, but that was like the only way to do it. And I can see that that, that's what works. You know, because think about it, like a musician, like they have to play their instrument every day. Like it's something, everything you want to do, if you want to aspire to be excellent at it, I do think that that's sort of what it requires. But show business is is another, that's, now I'm being all weird, you know, like I'm trying to be inspirational, but like show business (laughs) is like, is just historically. inspirational at the end. We can just get there. We can just like. Sometimes I want to be like just angry and just bitter. And then sometimes I want to be inspirational and sometimes I want to be funny. That's great. (laughs) But, um, but show business, it is the culture of it is, um, like acting, which you know, I've been trying is like drop everything, drive across town mm-hmm. to maybe be considered yeah. for this job. Well, the attitude that is, everywhere, and that is the mentality of all show business. Yeah, is yeah. you are lucky to be here, yeah. and maybe we. And will you pick know what? You drop everything. You, drop yeah. your family, <laughs> your husband, yeah. and your job right now to to talk to us. So maybe your dream can come true. So it's like... And it is like because it's so many people want to do this, it is in a lot of ways a sort of vetting process for sure, right? But I always think that you... We're just... I think we just lose so much diversity and talent when that's the case because so many people have it, situations it, the, the, where they can the drop award, The award goes to who wants it the most. That's just what I've seen. And it's... And in a way that's like justified because it's like, you know what I mean? If you, the people who really, really want it, who like need it. And that's the thing. If you need it, it's maybe not that healthy, you know, to need to be in front of people, like with everybody applauding you. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, yeah. And this is just what I've witnessed. And it makes you think like, well, who are the types of people I guess, who are passing then, if that's the phrase to use. because There's I, a million brilliant people who we'll never hear from because they would just want to have, like, balanced lives. Yeah. And that, and I feel like that is, you know, I don't, like, that's sane. Like, that's healthy. Yeah, right. 
I think that I, this is something that I probably wake up every single day and think about, frankly. I think everyone pursuing creative arts, it's, I think, thinks the same thing. Is it's it, just or a is challenge. it people who are normal, who, you know, like, who, is it, um, like, are there some people who just are blindly like? Well, having, like, intimately known many people pursuing show business, I have seen that, like, the drive and the need for it is is immense and is more important than anything else. That's what I've seen. And it works. You know, they usually... And even then it's hard. Even then it's, like, almost impossible. So it's not an encouraging kind of, like, yeah. um, thing to witness. But, but at the same time, I'm like, I think what I reached is, like, I just want to be a happy person. And that's important to me. And, like, mental health and is really important. So... So I've kind of like just accepted that like if that's the most important thing to you, you're going to miss a lot of opportunities because a lot of them are just not that healthy. Yeah. And it, I guess that that's the idea. That I think that that's what it, it still comes down to is every time it's like it's either one or the other. So never... going back to, yeah. And I, I do think that the, so um, the Twilight Zone is about how badly he wants to be a comic. And you're saying it's a false binary. And I actually think that it's a fairly accurate binary in the sense that he wants... I don't know what he's getting, though, because what does he get? Does he get discovered or... He just... The the audience laughs. The whole system is really weird. It doesn't really make sense. They introduce this, like, skeevy comedy club owner, like, much later... Who, yeah. like, all of a sudden just, like, pops in. He's like, you're a headliner now, kid. And, like, it's the same exact size crowd. It looks like the same exact night. It's, like, the same extras. Oh, you yeah. know, but, it en- yeah, it ends up being, like, whoever, like, one of two people are basically getting a late night gig. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, the, so that's the golden to. carrot is yeah. late night. That's yeah. what every comic wants is the yeah, late night. So he's, like, he goes from being, like... Just the kind of a terrible comic nobody respects to like he's gonna get on late night and he has no he sacrificed all his life and he and and he's just and and then he what does he do at the end okay we, we we're not oh, spoiling it what he does at the end I mean yeah I mean you got you at this point you know we're giving giving spoilers <laughs> um he stop listening he finally um, talks about himself. And then he ceases to exist. He basically has a choice between him. He commits suicide. Yeah, yeah. He, which is pretty dark. And then the woman, the the woman he's competing with, she she, she meets Tracy Morgan, yeah. and then she oh, kind of right, starts yeah. the whole process he over again. Basically, she ha- is about to choose between making her cease so, to exist or himself. So this is where I disagree <gasps> with no, it. I, I got that wrong. Sorry. He choose it, it comes between him and, or his girlfriend. And then he chooses himself. Yeah. That's and his, so his girlfriend gets to live and he yeah. dies. So this is where I, so as far as, so I think it's a parable, a parable, did I parable, say that right? Yeah. Parable about show business. I don't think it's a parable about could, stand-up right, like comedy. Like you said, he could have been a saxophone player. Exactly. And that's <laughs> where I like kind of tripped up against it because to me, the if you actually want to be a stand-up comic to pursue the art form of it and not to be like on late night and all the Mm -hmm. showbiz stuff, which to be honest, just kind of interrupts the whole creative process. If you ask me being a teacher of standup comedy that I think that when you talk about something that is troubling or dark or close to your heart, it actually dissipates and it actually is like a, it, it is like a therapeutic process that makes it go away. 
And that's where I felt like this is not, that's where I just felt like this is not about stand-up at yeah. all. Oh, I totally agree. Because I think where I thought it was going was that he was going, like that he was saying things that were political that he really cared about, but he wasn't talking about, um, he wasn't making it personal to himself in any way. I thought that that was going to be the journey. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. Yeah, that's what the I thought the journey was going to really, be too. Like, yeah, like, that's not the message. I thought it was going to be like, no, talk about your real, yeah. you know, your, and then he would like, yeah, it, and it, it just went off. It, it did go in a di- direction I did not expect it to, and it was a little. I just found it, the whole thing a little flat. Like I was just like, yeah, uh, who cares? Yeah, you know, he sold. Yeah, he sold his soul, and it's basically the that's the message. You sell your soul to the devil to be successful. And he chose to commit suicide instead of doing it. It was just like, <laughs> I don't know. It yeah. wasn't. So, yeah. And so. It wasn't good. Beyond being <laughs> a stand-up story, it is more of a parable about show business. But then it also is a parable, too, about just success in general. And I think I think what I'm really, I guess, trying, I'm trying to get at is that I think that I call bullshit on that entire idea being so ingrained in our culture. That's what I think is like, that's what I think bugs me about it. That it, oh, like for some reason, it's always going to have to be right. a choice. And like, I don't know if that's. I found it, I, I think I agree with what you're saying in the sense that I found the whole thing kind of simplistic in the end. It felt like not very nuanced. It just, it, it didn't, like the Twilight Zone to me is sort of like, ooh, is it, you know what I mean? We don't know. You'll take it. Was very, you'll guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was very like black and white. It was like. But not yeah. in black and white. It yeah. is color. <laughs> but it could the original be. Was, it could be black and the white. The original was in literal black and white, but not <laughs> metaphorical. This is they in like. Yeah. This is in like glossy film, you know, yeah. like it had kind of a blue gray it, yeah. sheen it to it. It, it. it was fun to watch. I did what, like, I went on the journey. It was you very know? pretty. I I, kept, I liked his girlfriend. I thought she was really good. Yeah. Actually, I think the most I laughed or like the most I was like tense was during, um, I mean, like she has this mentor who we end up finding out like because of this mentor, she became a lawyer. And if she'd never had this mentor, she wouldn't have been. Um, I thought that like, there was a lot of tension created in that. Like that was a good, um, yeah. And I like that they had this like very romantic date and they were very close and you're like, Oh, okay, this is going to end. And this is going to blow up. It just, I felt like it looked prettier than the con the substance wasn't, to par with the presentation. Yeah, I get you. And but maybe um, it's because we're comics and it just wasn't nuanced enough for us. I just we'd love to hear you. I'm kind of. I'm kind. I know. I think we do need to ask our listeners to contact us more. But I I just feel like really burnt out of comedy being like this. Like I don't. I I feel like it's very male to be like, ooh, Mm -hmm. comic. Yeah, it is because it's like a rock star, like, uh, and like, we're not, women are not treated like rock stars in comedy at all. We're treated like, Ooh, you exist. Like, isn't that cute? Yeah. You're trying um, to be funny. I'm trying to think of the uh, comparison for it. Like if men are the rock stars, women are the. One thing that watching this, though, did make me think about, which is that um, I do a lot of material about being feminist and just how hard it is to be a woman and stuff. And, like, 
I feel like this is the Twilight Zone I would make where it's like feminists are just like shat on everywhere. But like if you're a funny comic and you're just saying like the most provocative things, people are just like, you're that was a funny joke. Like everybody <laughs> just takes it. It's, it's hilarious, right? I know. Like it, like well, you I can say think. the most powerful things. I actually believe in that world in a small way um, because I think it's the quickest way to disarm somebody. With, is with humor. To me, that is the beauty of stand-up. That's the beauty. Like, if yeah. there's any mysterious, is that, like, you can go up there and basically say, you are all assholes, and people will love you and laugh yeah. because you said it in a funny way. Yes. That's what blows my mind. And to be honest, that's what keeps me interested in the art form yeah. and wanting to stay there. Yeah, I agree. And, it, it like, I know that this is an interesting time in comedy, too. Because, I mean, this is a conversation that's happening everywhere and on Twitter and in every podcast, but you know, the idea of message based comedy and the idea that people are up there to um, make a political statement or change minds. Like, of course there's a billion fucking people doing stand up right now. Like, look at the fucking country. <laughs> like, of course, like people are like, and you see that a lot too at open mics. I think what happens a lot is like people are inspired or people who are funny have something to say and they're inspired to go up there and it's in the culture and it's everywhere now. And like people just like go up and like rant. Like we, everybody is in like this. I will say though, that kind of thing, I do look at that and I go like, that's not, they're not doing comedy. Yeah. yeah no, I totally agree. Venting. Yeah. But it is know. like, I mean, we're in. Well, it's a platform. You got a microphone. First of all, right. anywhere there's a microphone, I don't care, karaoke, open mic. I'm there. I'm there. Some people are going to be like, give me that freaking mic. And I will just, people just love a microphone. I, <laughs> and, I really and I think do. half of the appeal of stand up yeah. is it the microphone. Yeah. And it's it, not. And it's like, I am the only one talking. Yeah. That's all. That's it. It's my favorite. And then like the comedy part comes way later. It's like, oh, wait, people just don't start laughing just because I'm up here. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm. I'm just being so bossy in my like opinions. No, I think I think it's interesting, and I also. But I'm right. Uh, <laughs> I, as a person who loves a microphone, I understand who's, who's on one right now. But yeah, but people do like that's what that's what is out there and what's happening. Everybody, everybody wants to be on stage. We just live. Everyone's a content creator. Everybody's like, I just I'm very big on like have a voice, but just. Work really hard on it because we're we're all spending our time to listen. We're yeah. wasting and our lot. Our right. my I don't have as many seconds left as you young people. <laughs> I cannot waste it on your like half formed ideas. Rant of that you um, reading your Twitter thread from earlier today, which <sighs> is I've seen this many a times. Yeah, um, <laughs> you sent me an interesting article. Yes, from the New York Times. Um. I did. It's about um, privacy and um, privacy as a feminist issue, um, which is which makes perfect sense. I mean, women are harassed uh, more in the world just walking around. Of course, we're going to be harassed more, more online. online. And um, being able to keep our social media yeah private I um, when you sent me that article I was like I have been on a soapbox about this all week um, because I think that's something that nobody is acknowledging um, and you hear this all the time whenever you get advice from anybody who's like 
then this is so I was on the West Side showdown, went to the panels. I always feel like you can take something away from a panel, right? And but again Any and panel. again, you hear it, it. Anytime I go somewhere and they're like, "This is how it works," I sit there and I'm like, "I just gotta go home and do it. I'm just gotta get, I gotta go home and like work on my website. Like it like makes me so anxious." But this is, and I also know this. I work in development. Always inspiring to I've, get anxious yeah. enough to like <laughs> fix your website. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like I gotta go. Um, I, I work in development. Like I've tried. Just bring your laptop yeah. to the panel next time. <laughs> I've spent, as a person who has spent two weeks on a casting where I'm looking for a scientist who's also a public speaker or a comedian, right? Or um, a comedian who also uh, has experience working in a kitchen who's a chef. Like I've done those castings. I've looked for those people. I know how I look for those people. So whenever I'm doing stuff for my, uh, my for myself where I'm like, oh, well, if somebody's casting something that I want them to think of me for, I should know exactly how to do this, right? It's not that easy. <laughs> it's not that easy for, to do it for yourself. Um, and so hearing all the time about how... Um, but you got to know what your brand is, Jen. <laughs> like... Yes, and and have and having that like um, you know this like this idea of like every person should be a hashtag in some way. Nobody said this. I'm just like saying this like hashtag this is the kind Jen of thing people would say as a a content creator. Um, <laughs> hashtag content creator Jen O'Donnell. <laughs> I'm a hashtag. Oh my god! What creator? if content creator was your middle name? Ugh, I should change Jen. it. I should change my content children. creator O'Donnell. My children are yeah. going to be named content. This is my son, content. Oh, that's oh a good way to make my joke better. And creator. Content. Well, I'm he calls he just calls he doesn't call me mom. He calls me Con for short. <laughs> I call him Con. He's a great kid. <laughs> um but anyway. That I, is actually hilarious. Yeah. Uh, These are my children, content and creator. I mean it makes sense. My fiance is a YouTuber. It's like it's just that's There's an no ecological YouTube. <laughs> um anyway, I uh, go through so much time and energy spent on the internet to make sure that the wrong people don't find me. That if I wasn't worried about it, other people. So tell me would about tell me, me about the people who've harassed you online. Oh, so it's like anything from like a YouTube comment where it's just like people search feminism on YouTube, right? And they find like a little man on the street interview show that I did and tell me to die of cancer, right? Or people who follow me on Twitter, but then they stay sort of low key for a while. I notice that they like favorite my tweets a lot. I notice that they interact with my tweets a lot. I notice that they isn't that what you want? Exactly. Except you don't want it when they're fucking creepy. <laughs> I literally talked to a girl outside of a show this past week who was like, "Oh yeah, it sucks when I promote my shows because I always have to make sure that I block my stalker on every single yeah. platform." And it's like, no male comic has to do that. And in the idea too that like you're expected to be promoting and you're expected to like say where you are at 7 p.m. on a Saturday night on it the internet creepy. for as many people as possible. It's very creepy. That's just one part of it. The other part is like this idea that um, one of the women who I saw on the panel who I thought was so inspiring and she was so great was the founder of Seed and Spark, who um, you would have loved her by the way. She had she brought her baby on stage. You know how I feel about babies. Like, I, I was like, working I mom, working mom, love a baby. Um, she was so smart and she really was talking a lot about, um, you know, basically like don't sit around and like wait for 
uh, somebody to pick you. Like, make the special, like you did. Do your album. Like, put it, like, self publish your books. Um, you're creating that, you're doing that. And I could not agree more, and I could not agree with her platform in everything about it. And she was talking about, which I agree with, that there are, like right now, um, the way to cultivate an audience is by cultivating niche people and building that. Like finding that audience, finding like these women who I believe want to come out to the ladies' room, who want to come see people who I think are funny, tell jokes that they're not seeing anywhere else, you know, with a bent on being feminist, generally speaking. And that audience just, like, doesn't exist, so I have to build it, right? And nobody's out there acknowledging that so many of us are out there not just having to work on our craft and, like, create and, 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 and become better comics and write better jokes. We also have to create an audience to see those jokes. But that's, you have to understand, this is a very new phenomenon. Like, 100%. When I did comedy yeah. in the 90s, we were lucky if the LA Weekly would put us in the little, like, event. They had, like, a little, like, <laughs> what's happening this week. Right. And then we had flyers, and you would go to open mics and give people your flyer. That was the extent of promotion, and it's kind of amazing that anybody that anybody any shows. Right. But they did. And, um... But I do think that maybe, in my opinion, comedy was way better, and maybe that was why, because everybody was focused on doing comedy, and it wasn't, you know, it, it is, I, I mean, in an idea, in the, the theory has always been it takes 10 years to get good, and a lot of people that I did comedy with, they were not interested in promoting themselves or being famous, they wanted to be good at comedy first. And I kind of feel like it's gotten, it's backwards, where yeah. everybody wants to be famous, and they're not, but, but. The value is because we live in this reality TV, yeah, you know, YouTube. Yeah, you can get really tricked by it because so, that's exactly it. And so all these people get all this, um, uh, these young people get a lot of attention when they haven't developed the craft. Yes. And also they are up against YouTubers who are literally just like, like looking into a camera and hitting record and they have these audience of millions. So it's really frustrating as a creator to be like, okay, should I keep, should I keep working on this craft or should I just do something totally, um, just like attention seeking and get that attention but like, and we talk about this, like that. I think you should work on the craft. That's that's my vote. Well, one hundred percent. But like, the jig is up. I think with this idea, like all of the networks are out there, and all of the people who are giving people these opportunities are still looking at my Instagram or my Twitter if I'm up for a thing, and saying, "Oh, but she hasn't built or cultivated an audience." As if that number can't be inflated yeah. any other way. No, you're right. It's it's an issue. I mean, it, it's a huge issue because I mean, people, you know, actors get parts based on their Twitter followers, and right. And, so, and it's so easy to one buy those followers, or two just do something but really at ridiculous the end of the day, to get followers and to get attention. I I do feel like at the end of the day, hard work and the craft wins that's my it what i want does. to believe and so i i just encourage everybody to to focus on that because i mean i don't i i don't like whatever you want to do do i find promoting exhausting and it's yeah. not really like 
I don't get anything out of it. And it kind of leaves me feeling empty inside. Well, yeah. And, and of, when I do that, and and all I get so we back were, we, is... Let's go back to privacy. Trolls. Privacy. Yeah. So what you're saying is that comics or people are putting themselves out there. They're, they're kind of putting their lives at risk. Women are when yeah. they promote themselves on social media. Right. And I kind of agree with that. What she's talking about in the article... This is a New York Times article, which my phone just died. Can you find out who wrote it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. But what she's talking about is the fact that, like, women, she's a journalist. And so, you know, like, professionally, and this is sort of what you're saying, women have to promote themselves right. as part of their profession. You have to be able and to find her. as a result, you yeah. are subject, you're putting yourself at risk to being right. harassed online. And it's scary. And there's a party that always feels vulnerable. And I totally relate to that feeling. Yeah. And men don't have to do that. They can just kind of put things out and there. And Twitter takes zero responsibility yeah. and doesn't do anything when Leslie Jones is getting, like, all these, like, racist, like, horrifying, violent tweets. And it's in these companies don't take any responsibility for it. Don't, I don't even have a consciousness right, about it. Right, because it's the Wild West. And yeah. nobody, it's such uncharted territory that there's... But Lori Kilmartin was kicked off Twitter for saying that she's waiting yeah. for old, old white men to die. to die. Yeah. No, not even comics. Men to die. Yeah. Emily Chang wrote the um, yeah. New York Times article. And she, there's a call to action too at the end where she talk, she's basically saying um, that uh, first we must elect more women to position of power who can write privacy legislation. I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the top digital policymakers in Europe are women. And I agree. Um, because because men have never experienced that, and it isn't just comics too. Like it isn't even just like you put a date in a, a journalist. Time. A journalist. Yeah. I mean, journalism. Like um, Rebecca Rebecca Traster, yeah. and then there's another one who Jessica something who just they have received so much harassment online because they they publish these really feminist pieces, and I you know Barbara Gray the comic. She's yes. A, yeah. She posted. Uh, she was on Comedy Central, yep. I guess, and she and shared she had so many trolls. I could not believe. It's disgusting. And she did not even talk about anything feminist. I she actually, was just being yeah. a comic. She just had funny jokes. They weren't like men suck, or you know, she wasn't yep. making any kind of provocative statements. And when I when I saw that, I was like, maybe this is why. And those doors aren't opening for me because my material is way more provocative That's than hers That's exactly is. it, though. And I was like, it I, is. I can't believe that, like, she's getting this for, for just talking about, right. like, walking into a bar. And I don't know, just it was not. And she's somebody who I think is so funny and also is somebody who I've always... I literally have an email draft in my email that's just like I th like when I was watching the literal scroll of like when the special came out and I saw all of the hate on Facebook. I literally just like started an email that was like, "I think you're fucking hilarious." Just in case you needed to hear that, like, it, and I think she knows she's funny. And the it, the point isn't that like she's not yeah. funny. The point is that like that's what women attract, right. just by being a just woman, by being a woman, and just doing talking. what she wants to yeah. do. So it is like I honestly look at that. And I think, okay, is this what I'm building towards? It, it was a wake-up call for me. Yeah. It, and it was kind of... I mean, and the ones... I didn't read all the comments, but the ones I read were just more like, 
chicks aren't funny. You know, they were really it's the most like basic dated. stupid shit. Yeah, but just it, like, you're just like, oh day, my god, this is this is real. Yeah. This is the world we live in. At the end of the day, the world it's we just, live in is dumb. Yeah, it's just like another <laughs> like you're already going in upstream. conclusion. Yeah, it's <laughs> like. Yeah, they're they're walking upstream, and then it's like, oh, this is hard. We all acknowledge that, but it's going to be much harder because I'm just going to make it impossible for you. Like it's just like every you know what I think. Single- I think we need to keep doing this this podcast. I hope so. <laughs> I know. Seriously, I think this is like so important because nothing's changing. <laughs> so like we could do this till we're yeah, like and it, 103. It probably is super slowly, but we're not. We can't see it. Um, oh, and to circle back on the seed and spark lady. So, um, obviously when she was talking and I was obsessed with everything she said, I followed her on Twitter like I do. Um, and she was talking about, um, on Twitter, she had um, retweeted something that was like, this is the only take that you need today. And it was a tweet that was like, since when are fans of things suddenly so emboldened and feel like their creators are beholden to them? But I'm like, but also the system that we're setting up is saying that we have to go find those audience members who are paying us to make content. So yeah, they are creating us. And do you want to be beholden to them? Well, Woody Allen, Woody Allen, who is who we love to quote on this podcast, <laughs> said that you don't choose the jokes; the audience chooses them. Which is a very interesting statement when you think about being a woman comic, because I do see a lot of comics who I feel like they are telling jokes that men want to hear. So mm-hmm. in in many cases, and being someone who's like super, I'm like fiercely independent. I have to have my voice, like. It is an uphill battle if you really are like, what is, what do I really feel and yeah. what I really expect? And that's why, do you like, find yourself lately um, writing jokes that you know that you will only be able to try out at like a basically like a female skewing mic? No, because I have like quote unquote grown up at mostly mm-hmm. male mics. So, like, the muscle of like, talking to men is really strong. I don't like... Of just like doing it anyway. Doing it anyway. Yeah. yeah. And if nobody laughs, I'm like, I, I totally have this like muscle, which is great if you can survive the hell of it, of just being like... And, and to be honest, like if it's a good joke, they will laugh anyway. That's what I've, that's what I've realized. But like, I just... I want to believe that. Oh, they, they do. And, and um, I mean... I like all my jokes are just it's like the more I do it the more that I'm just pushing the bar further and further because that's what's interesting to me and that may not be a thing that's going to make me famous but that's what makes me want to keep doing it mm-hmm. otherwise I would quit if I was going to do ass eating jokes or whatever like I would <laughs> get me the hell out of here but the only yeah. thing that makes it interesting is like pushing the bar of feminism in it. Yes. So 100% I agree with you that like there is so much more to be gained in the long game. Yeah. And it's just like finding those things to keep you going in the meantime because it's like it's so true that if I wore a low cut shirt and I talked about ass eating and then I called out a a celebrity I could have be on late night. I would have 10,000 Twitter (laughs) followers right now. And I'm not saying that people on late night are the people who are doing that. You wouldn't be on late night. You can't talk about ass eating on late night. It's so easy to just like falsely inflate numbers and false and it's just like the jig is up and I I guess 
like I was talking to some girls who were a little bit younger and I was, I don't know, like I, I feel like the temptation in the Tracy Morgan way is really, um, easy to like slip into. Well, what is your temptation? Like what, what is your, that you fight against? I truthfully don't. I'm not because like I don't I I used to have more cheesy dating jokes and I still do I still do and I still tell them but what I do is I set I set it up with the jokes that are gonna get the foundation yeah that you drove there to do so that I can do what I really want to do exactly yeah I actually don't have a temptation to um to do that what I um I actually just uh to a fault, probably take myself too seriously. <laughs> like, um, because I, well, you know, I do too, but yeah. I think you have to otherwise. Yeah. Like, and I like, you know, even like this, this podcast specifically, um, my, the jokes that I say, the web series that I'm working on, um, I am really like, I'm generally speaking pretty cautious and careful, uh, because honestly, everything that I say, I think about, my niece is listening to. And like, I, even if they're not mature enough to be listening. No, I know, but that's inspiring. And that's what I, I think of like young women. That's Mm -hmm. what I think of. And like, what would young women, what do I feel like they, they need to hear? And it's not even that, like, it's not that different from who I am in real life either. (laughs) It shouldn't be that. Yeah, it isn't. It's, it's pretty much the same. Um, but I do, I have, I take a lot of issue with, I guess, giving, um, giving away, like cheaply giving away stuff that's really personal to me. Um, and, uh, being vulnerable in that way as if I owe it to, uh, people who are quote unquote following along at home, you know, like if that's what it requires, I'm like, pass. Well, it's good to know about yourself. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we covered a lot of territory. Yeah. And, um, oh, a quick take action for me. Um, there's a comic named Angelina Spicer. She has a, um, a Kickstarter right now for the next, uh, only four days to go. So hopefully you'll get this soon and we'll, we'll make an Instagram post about it. Um, but she is doing a documentary slash comedy special about, um, postpartum depression and she's totally worth supporting so check it out on kickstarter look up angelina spicer and if you have anything to say about privacy online please email us i'll give at... you my personal email no Just we have a we have a gmail oh yeah that's right <laughs> here's my cell phone number don't email us <laughs> um tdtp podcast at gmail.com yeah.